What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember that Primetime is brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, first and foremost, hope that you guys are having a fantastic Sunday night. Welcome into the show. I missed you over the weekend. But also, let's get into the Cowboys uh, conversation here because OTAs kick off this week, uh, I mean on Monday, and it's kind of weird to gauge just how important or not important because they are obviously very important but just how much we can take away from OTAs because in my opinion you're not gonna really see position battles being defined on OTAs that's just my opinion I think that happens until training camp when the pads come on when there is live contact allowed during practice and you're seeing more important and more relevant, I think is the right word, one-on-one type of situations, etc. You're seeing how things are going to play out on the actual football field when you're playing at full speed, full strength, etc. However, in OTAs, we kind of learn important things. And I feel like mostly we kind of learn how the coaching staff feels about certain players. And that's why I'm going to cut right to the chase. And I'm going to say that one of the things that intrigues me the most about OTAs, and this might not be one thing that will impact the outcome of the 2023 season in a major, major way, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what's up with Jalen Tolbert. It's crazy that he was a third round draft pick for the Cowboys last year. And that one year, over one year removed from him being selected, we still don't know about the guy. We still don't know enough about him. And I'm not saying that, oh, he has not proven himself yet. Uh, I mean, which obviously is the case with Jalen Tolbert, but that's not even what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, oh, he needs to have that breakout season. We need to see him produce. But I literally mean we have not watched him. Like during the season, he played 5% of the offensive snaps. So it's not like we even have a mental picture, good or bad, about who Jalen Tolbert is as a player. The Cowboys talked a lot about, you know, using him in different spots. Jalen Tolbert talked about that as a reason why he didn't have the rookie season that he thought he was going to have. But what is exactly that role that he is aiming to take on during the 2023 season? Obviously, at best, he's going to be the number four wideout, I don't think it gets any better than that. I don't think that he cracks into the starting three. However, I, I will say that I, I am intrigued about seeing whether he is a slot exclusive type of guy or outside exclusive type of guy. Uh, how do the Cowboys look at him this particular offseason, especially when the guys running the offense have changed? It's not Kellen Moore's offense anymore. It's Mike McCarthy's. Ryan Schottenheimer's. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing just where does he line up first and foremost? And is he really the number four guy or is he in a even competition 
with guys like UDFAs, like Jalen Moreno Cropper and Jalen Brooks, the seven round draft pick, uh, David Durden, all of those guys, like that bottom of the wide receiver depth chart is Tolbert separated from the pack or is it kind of like an even race? And I think that OTAs might serve as some sort of answer, initial answer to that with the whole competition being defined, of course, as I said, in, in training camp. That's one of the things that I am most looking forward to this week. Maybe it's not super uh, <laughs> a super popular number one thing to watch in, in OTAs because uh, there's going to be more exciting stuff. There's going to be more exciting stuff for sure. I mean, we're going to watch plenty of rookies go at it. But still, I think it's one of the answers that I know very little about. And I feel like all of us know very little about what's up with Jalen Tolbert entering 2023. Uh, with that being said, let me say let, let me say hi. That's my initial rant, as always. Uh, but let me say hi. Thank you so much for being here on this fine Sunday night. Uh, shout out to Double R, Toxic Tom. We've got Regina on YouTube as well. Who else am I missing here? Mark Aaron, Double R on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say. We've got the guru as well, Charlene Evans, saying that is it true that uh, Masi only had 0.5 sacks at Michigan? That was his stat. That is true for his final year in, in Michigan uh, when he was a Wolverine. Final year as a Wolverine, he didn't have a full sack. Now, there's kind of like context that goes around that number, I will say. He was second on the team in team pressures, in quarterback pressures, excuse me. So he did generate some sort of pressure. He didn't finish the plays, maybe. And also, I do think there is some truth behind the claim that Michigan didn't really ask him to get upfield and get to the quarterback. Michigan kind of asked him to, you know, stand up, engage, and maybe I don't want to say react because I kind of hate that term too. But, uh, yeah, go with the flow, uh, read where the ball is going. I think read is a better term, a term that react. He, he wasn't asked to, oh, this is your gap. Attack this gap and get to the quarterback. It wasn't really that. It was more of a two-gap type situation. Run defender more than anything else. But yeah, it is true. That stat is, is real. Jason Chavez, welcome to the show too, my man. My man. Uh, Scott Robinson says, wonder if the offense will be simplified. I think that maybe they gave Tolbert too much for a rookie. I do think that he should have been given some more uh, than literally what he got. Big couple of months for him. And that is kind of like one of the things with the Jalen Tolbert conversation that I wonder about a lot. Like, what does, you know, giving him too much to learn really mean? Does it mean that because he was at South Alabama, maybe it was a very simplified offense and he really was not cut up to speed to the NFL level of football IQ that you must have to play the position? inside and outside or was it more of a situation in which he really didn't know enough like uh, was it on the team or was it on the player is what I mean because I don't think we have a concise answer to that sure Tolbert is saying that but also Dennis Houston made the um, I mean saw playing time over him at one point and I don't know if Houston's situation was different than Tolbert's, if that makes sense. 
I think it's kind of the same. So is that more of like an excuse? And I don't want to say that it is. I'm just saying that's that's what I mean. And I'm going to tie it back into what I was saying at the beginning of the show. I feel like we know nothing about the Jalen Tolbert situation because even during the season, the Cowboys were awfully quiet about the whole thing. They just didn't play the guy. And I always point towards the Chicago Bears game from last year in which the Cowboys literally gave us a 0-3 personnel group, which means no running backs and three tight ends as an effort to not get Tolbert on the field. Like, that's how I interpret it at the time. And we even talked about it here on primetime, but we saw that weird package in which there were three tight ends and there was CeeDee Lamb in the backfield like a running back. It was a weird situation. I'm really looking forward to learning what it's all about with Jalen Tolbert. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say. And Toxic Tom kind of actually saying exactly what I was saying uh, regarding regarding the Houston situation, the Houston comparison. So Tolbert couldn't figure it out, but Dennis Houston could. Was Tolbert being thought more things than Houston was? Or was, what was the deal there? That's what I mean with this whole situation. And that's what I wonder about. And I think that this week we'll finally get some answers or during this whole OTAs period. Remember, it's not just this week. They just kick off on Monday. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say in the chat. Tolbert must have a great training camp, says Lance. And I agree. I agree. I, I'm not confident that he is on the hot seat in terms of the 53-man roster, but he could be buried. Uh, I don't think that he has earned anything at this point. And if he has, it has all happened behind the scenes. We're, we're going to find out a lot about him this week. Schoonmaker out of Michigan could make a good fit in Dallas as Patrick. And I agree. We're going to get our first look at Schoonmaker doing things on the football field with the Cowboys. We got a first look at him rocking the new threats, the silver and navy, or actually it was the, the white jerseys that he rocked during the NFLPA rookie premiere event that was held this week. And he rocked that number 86 while Deuce Vaughn rocked the number 42. And I'm not going to lie to you. I thought, that, <laughs> I thought that I was not going to enjoy watching Deuce Vaughn wear number 42. But hey, when he walked out of that tunnel and he was wearing that jersey, <laughs> hey, I dig it. I, I dig number 42. I think that he, he looks great on it. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch that. Shout out to Tito Rodriguez, who's watching on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in. Let's see what you guys have to, ch uh, to say. The guru says, uh, if Tolbert surprises, that's a luxury. But I do not want to rely and depend upon him that heavily. I need others to step up. I get that in street vibes from Tolbert's is toxic, Tom, too. We're going to find out. We are going to find out. And that's what I'm excited about. But anyways, uh, that being said, by extension, I'm also excited about watching the UDFAs kind of try to set a pecking order at the bottom of the depth chart at wide receiver. I think that is going to be exciting. Who's going to get shots on special teams, fielding punts, fielding kickoffs. David Durden did that when he was in college. And we already had that conversation about the Cowboys 
basically looking at him as a as a Noah Brown direct replacement, especially on special teams. The especially on special teams that sounded funny, uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the entire wide receiver room, specifically the bottom of it. That's what I'm the most excited about. But anyways. What are you most excited about seeing in OTAs when they kick off? Who is one player or maybe one position, one battle, whatever you want it to be? Let me know in the chat what is the one thing that you are the most excited about for Cowboys OTAs this week. While you do that, and before I give you my number two thing on my list, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. A family-owned business has been sold for over 65 years, and you can check out their dealership in Irving, Texas. You can also browse through their wide range of new and used vehicles over at FreemanMazda.net. You can see pictures of the outside and inside of every vehicle. You can check out their features as well on the website. And as we do around this time here in ADC Sports Dallas Primetime, it is time for us to dive into the ride of the week. In this case, it is the new 2024 Mazda CX-90 plug-in hybrid vehicle, 2.5 premium plus all-wheel drive. As I said, it is a hybrid vehicle. It starts at $58,475. It's got all-wheel drive. It's got a Wi-Fi hotspot, third row sitting, sunroof, and rear air conditioning you can check it out over at freemanmazda.net so let me know in the chat what are you most looking forward to this week darlene says number 58th the 26th pick out of michigan says darlene Moss is myth defensive tackle we're gonna get our first look Hopefully, we get some fun looks. Uh, it's going to be fun because I feel like Masi, we're going to have to, you know, I think that we're going to have to be patient with the Masi's mid-hype because since live contact is not permitted in OTAs, I feel like Masi is going to become fun to follow when there is contact, right? But also, he might do some freakish stuff in practice, so I'm looking forward to that too. We talked a lot about Masi Smith, by the way, uh, last week's show on Wednesday. We went behind the X's and O's and we explored exactly what he brought to the table that will enable people like Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons to thrive with him being on the field. In case you're interested in that show, you can check it out on the YouTube channel, Facebook uh, page as well, on the podcast feed too. Look at this. Look at who do we have in the chat. He's too busy going to Disneyland to check in on primetime. Nah, I'm just kidding with Mike. Mike, good to see you in the chat. I appreciate you joining me on live. Been a minute since I could get on the live feed, my friend. Hey, shout out to Mike. He's awesome. He does, he does bring me a lot of envy, you know, the good kind of envy because – Mike goes a lot to Disneyland, man, and and I love Disneyland. That's like my literal, and, and I, this might be mainstream, but it's my favorite place in the world. I, I want to go there. I want to be going to Disney regularly until the day I'm gone. <laughs> so shout out to Mike. Thank you for being here. 
Anyways, uh, what else do we have in the chat? Somebody already mentioned Deuce Vaughn, says Lance Bell. Gregory goes with Sam Williams for his answer. Toxic Tom says, looking forward to Kelvin's OTA track he made for his team. This is Toxic Tom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Guru. This is a good answer from Guru, man. Eric Scott and Easy versus wide receivers Callaway, Tolbert, Brooks, and Simi, and Deuce Vaughn tying nuts in feet of coverage linebackers. Ooh. So that's an interesting answer. Deuce Vaughn, but, but make him a receiver. We want to see how he runs routes and what he does to people in coverage. What he, what he does to people in coverage. I'm looking forward to that too. Tolbert started playing football late, says Gerald. More Micomania, says Trigger Daddy Williams. Oh, he's, he's going to do some freaky stuff that we're going to talk about. I'm sure about that. Cameron goes with the defensive side of things in general. I like it. Mike goes with Jordan Lewis versus Bland. It's going to be an interesting battle having depth at the cornerback. Yeah, it is different. It is a different experience that we have not been used to. I think that Bland right now has the upper hand on Lewis, but... That's a very good point, man. And, and we could have an entire show about it, maybe. But are we counting Lewis out too quickly? When I put together my initial way-too-early 53-man roster projection, some were calling for Lewis to be cut. I don't see that happening, personally. Maybe he is hurt a little bit by the fact that he is essentially a nickel cornerback and... I don't think that the Cowboys will look at him as an outside cornerback, especially considering what Dan Queen's outside cornerbacks look like. But I do wonder, like, is there a world, is there an offseason in which not only does Lewis show why he had been a starter for multiple years now, and maybe at the same time, and, you know, not that we're wishing that, but... Maybe Bland goes through a sophomore slump. I'm just saying that there it could be a more interesting positional battle than we would expect. So I think that's a fantastic answer, actually. Mo better. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into anything in, into any of that. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, man. Uh hit the like button, says Gregory. SLH says, but I also want to see the North Dakota fullback on short yardage. That's also, in my opinion, going to be kind of like a training camp thing more than an OTAs thing just because of the contact aspect of things. Number two thing that I'm most looking forward to is offensive line combos. Just every combo possible and more specifically, what is the number one combo? Because we still need to figure out what the Cowboys are thinking at offensive line. Recently, Stephen Jones talked about the best group of five players, and he was very clear with it. No surprises there. He said the best five players that we've got on the offensive line unit are Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Viadish, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. Those are our best five. And I quote, Stephen Jones said, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens there. Maybe I paraphrased. Maybe I didn't quote him, but you guys know what I mean. So Terrence still might not be healthy and ready to go. And maybe he's not going to line up in the seven on sevens, nine on elevens. I don't know if he's uh, 11 on 11, et cetera. I don't know if we're going to see that. 
However, are we going to see Tyron and Tyler working together on the left side? Tyron at left tackle, Tyler at left guard. Or are we going to see Tyler Smith locked in at left tackle? Maybe the Cowboys don't want to tip their hands, but I do think we're going to see a genuine lineup, if that makes sense. I do think that we're going to learn about what the plan is, what plan A is at offensive line, and whether or not it looks like they're going, or they're leaning at least, to the best group of five argument of things. Like, are they going to try to get Tyron and Tyler next to each other on the left side, or is Tyron going to be relegated to right tackle while Terrence Steele heals, and maybe that makes us think that the Cowboys are all in on Tyler being the left tackle of the team. There's just a lot to figure out. Now, additionally, if Tyler is lining up at left tackle, who the heck is lining up at left guard? Is it Steele? And again, I would put an asterisk next to Steele specifically since we don't know where he's at from a health point of view, which is by extension, another thing that we're looking forward to seeing this week. But is it going to be Steele at left guard? Is it going to be Chuma at left guard? Is maybe somebody else that we're not thinking about going to get a shot? Maybe Matt Wletzko. Not, not Wletzko. Uh, excuse me. Farniak, I meant. He, he's the one that I was thinking about. <laughs> Farniak, maybe Josh Ball. They did say that they were going to try him out inside. All of this, man. All of this. I'm looking forward to seeing what the heck goes on at, uh, at the offensive line. Every combination, I'm going to chart it in my notebook. And I'm going to write it down. And we'll go from there, I guess. Guru says they're going to want Tyler and Tyron and Terence in the same lineup. Still at left guard, says Guru. That's, the, that's different. Hey, that's a different. That would be kind of like the wild card, maybe, right? And they teased it at one point during the owner meetings, if you guys remember that conversation. But yeah, could Tyron move to right tackle and Terence still take over at left guard? Which, in my opinion, would be unideal. I'm not... I'm not for that. I think that Terrence Steele has proven himself as a right tackle. I wouldn't move him inside. This is just me talking. And uh, Duke Manyweather has also tweeted about this. And he has said, like, why would you move? Or, or who, who here thinks that Terrence Steele did not do a decent job at the right, at the right tackle spot? I think, I think he did. I think it would be weird to make that switch. Let's see, Toxic Tom. Mo, how essential is a left guard in Mike McCarthy's West Coast offense? I think if we're being real, it's, it's obviously super important, just like in any other scheme. I'm not going to lie. I know that the philosophy will change, but I do think that in the modern NFL landscape, West Coast offenses and Eric Carriel offenses, like they use the same concepts. The philosophy behind them is different and, you know, the language is might, might be very different. But I just don't see enough of a difference in scheme to tell you, oh, it's not as important as it was in Kellen Moore's offense. I think basically it's, I mean, let's keep it simple here. They say that your offensive line is as good as your worst offensive lineman. And in that sense, I will say pretty damn important, especially 
on an NFL in which defenders, especially star defenders, are rushing from everywhere. They're manipulating your pass pro schemes with simulated pressures. You're doing all of this crazy stuff. It is important. It is very, very important. Uh, Mike Solar is going to be more of a zone blocker, uh, the guru. I see that a question in the YouTube chat. At least that's what Schottenheimer and Solari did when they were together at Seattle. So I would expect more of a zone mindset. Let's see what you guys have to say here. Uh, Cameron says, I lost service during the show, but do you see 12 and 5, maybe 13 and 4? 13 and 4, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. Do I see another 12-win season? Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happens. I would land more of an 11-win type season. That's where I would land, I think, right now. 11 and... 11 and oh, man. My math just kind of like went to sleep. Uh, <laughs> my math went to sleep right there, mid-sentence. Uh, 11 and 6, excuse, excuse me. So, anyways... 15 and 2 is Joey Vela. Oh, no, man. Nah. Alex says, when it comes time for the teams to make the cuts, do you think that we look for a better and left guard or keep it in-house? I will say keep it in-house. I think there are several positions where you could see those signings. I think that they would happen before training camp, though, or during training camp, not at the cut-down date. I don't think that will happen like that late. But maybe you could see, and I'm just going to, Toss some names in there, like Anthony Barr, T.Y. Hilton, those type of players or those type of signings, maybe not even those two, but they might happen during training camp or before training camp even. But specifically for offensive line, I think if the guy is not on the roster by training camp, he's not going to be your left guard, if that makes sense. I think they're happy with what they got. And we'll see what happens there. We'll see what that means necessarily. Personally, my preferred combination that I would like to see during the season, it's, it's the offensive line that they had planned for last year before Tyron got hurt. So that would be Tyron and Tyler on the left side. Tyler at guard. And turn still. Keep him at right tackle, man. And I think that's your best group of players. And I think... Not only that, but you're playing them where you should be playing them. You're not flipping still from one side to another, from one position to another, and you're not forcing Tyron to play right tackle again where he wasn't himself, in my opinion, last year. Anyways, number three thing that I've got on my radar starting tomorrow, it's two things. It's basically two things in one. I'm cheating here a little bit. But I want to say that I'm going to be looking at every single attempt that Tristan Vizcaino does, or at least the result of it. But not only that, John Fassel did say that the Cowboys are thinking of every other person in the planet, that it's not Tristan, and they're looking at them, and they're considering them to be the team's starting kicker in 2023. What I mean with this is I'm not only intrigued by what this kind of does for the Cowboys in OTAs, how he starts his offseason. But also, who are the Cowboys going to bring in? Because they are going to bring in people. 
At what point exactly, I don't know. We'll see if maybe they want Tristan to make a run for it without any additional pressure of a guy kicking right next to him. But I do wonder how long is it going to be before the Cowboys bring in a bunch of free agents. Maybe that includes Brett Maher and whether or not they sign somebody. I mean, they're going to sign somebody. There is going to be a competition, but who is it going to be? Now, they might bring in a bunch of guys. They might sign one kicker, maybe another young guy. And then when the time comes for training camp, maybe they bring in Brett Maher and, you know, the battle is over or something like that. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to be the team's starting kicker. And I think that OTAs will potentially give us a teaser to that particular question. Uh, we've got a super chat. Thank you. Thank you to Modelo Time. I appreciate the comment. I appreciate the donation. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Modelo Time says Dallas Cowboys for life. There you go, Modelo Time. I will say, though, that I kind of got thirsty just by reading that super chat. I might have to do something about it right when the show ends. And it's going to be Modelo Time's uh, fault. It might not be a Modelo, though. <laughs> why are so many people out on Maher? Says Toxic Tom. I mean, you know why. <laughs> it was a playoff game. It was a playoff game. However, you already know how I feel about this. I think that Brett Maher is the best choice for the Cowboys. It was a bad playoff game. Sure, it got to the point where it was ridiculous. But as I said, you know, when we dove into the Freeman Mazda start of the week from two weeks ago, and you look at Crosby, you look at Bollock, you look at Ryan Suckup, you look at uh, who else is out there available right now? Oh, Robbie Gold, which is everyone's favorite target for the Cowboys. Well, they're not as good as Maher, or at least over the last couple of years, they have not been as accurate as he has been. And if you break it down on long distance field goals, it's the same thing. If you break it down by extra points, it's the same thing. And if you also add to the fact that Brett Maher was one of the best kickers in touchback rate last year, I find it tough to find an objective reason why not to bring in Brett Maher? Like, can you, what can you say to ensure somebody that, oh, Brett Maher is the guy that missed those extra points in uh, versus Tampa Bay in Tampa? He's not the guy that he was the other 18 games that we saw him play. And those guys that are available. I can guarantee you they can be better than him this time around when they have not been so the last couple of years. It's tough. It's tough. Now, I will say this. Kicking is a weird thing in the NFL, and I do think that's where we get the least information as fans. Like, maybe I'm wrong about this theory, but it seems to me like that is one thing that they you got to bring all of them in and have them kick to see how they're doing nowadays, if that makes sense. I would bring back Brett Maher, not going to lie. That would be, in, that's in my opinion, the best bet that the Cowboys can make at kicker. 
What's up, Craig? Thank you for joining the show. Uh, Stubby says, LOL, did you see the last few games? And yeah, that is the thing about Mar. It's going to come down to the game against the Buccaneers. Bo, I cannot wait to see the <laughs> double RA. What's, what's with the YouTube chat? <laughs> what's with the YouTube chat tonight? There have been a few comments along those lines tonight. And <laughs> oh, man. Not going there. <laughs> Not going there. Uh, sorry, sorry. Some people, some people are trying to make me trip <laughs> on this show tonight. I love it. It's, it's part of the challenge. I love it. Uh, let's see here. Darlene says, ever they let go of Seek somewhere at for June 1st, you're going to sign a new player, says Darlene. Oh, yeah. The post-June 1st cut money. Is that what you're talking about, Charlene? Yes. Yes, that is coming. Uh, I do think that is money that is likely to be used in a potential contract extension. And you can be thinking about Dak Prescott. You can be thinking about C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs. Those big three players could be nearing an extension this offseason. And I think that's where the sick post-June first money is going to go to more than an addition, late-season addition. Uh, I do wonder if they sign somebody else, like maybe a guard, maybe... Maybe Jadavon Clowney. I'm just going to toss that out there. I know the Cowboys are not signing Jadavon Clowney, but that's that might be the best free agent out there at this point of the year. I wonder if he ends up with the Houston Texans. He talked about it recently in an interview, so we'll see. <laughs> Man, the YouTube chat is going crazy tonight. I do agree with Toxic Tom, and I want to make a show about you know the next big to-do items on the Cowboys offseason. And I do think that Dak Prescott's deal is high on that list, if not number one. I do think he receives that extension. I think it's a matter of time. And I think that by the time the season starts, it's going to be done. But that's just a gut feeling. We'll see if it actually happens. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime tonight. Do me a favor, though, before we get out of here and hit the like button. Share the stream if you enjoy the show. But remember that every thumbs up helps me put this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. So it goes a long way. And you need one second to smash that like button. So do me a favor. Do that if you enjoyed the show. And I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Thank you for tuning in and investing a little bit of your time on the show. We will be back here tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Enjoy succession, sports, whatever you're going to do tonight. And I hope that you have a fantastic start to the week as well. Freeman Mazda brought you ADC Sports Dallas Prime Time one more night. And I will see you el día de mañana. Muchísimas gracias. Bye-bye.